I want you, let, let's pray together. And I, I want you to stay with me because I've got a lot of territory to cover. Father, I thank you for your word because it's life. We just ask you to have your way. Speak to us and through us, Father, and help us to see the time that we live in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a passage in Scripture where Jesus is talking to Pharisees, and he said, you can discern the signs of the weather. He said, if you say red in morning, that the weather's going to be bad. If it's red at night, that there'll be fair weather. And he said, you can discern those warnings. He said, but you can't discern or discern the signs of the times. And so what I want to do is I want to lay out for you today signs of times that we're living in. If you go with me to Daniel chapter 4 and verse 3, the man that spoke these words is a pagan king. He does not serve God. He has served many gods. But this is what he said when he got introduced to the God of Israel. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. In Genesis 1 and 14, when God first starts into creation, he lays out something for us that I think sometimes we miss. This is in verse 14. It says, and God said, let there be lights. Everybody say lights. In the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons, for days and for years. The word sign there in Hebrew means a signal, omen, token, or evidence. How many of you have ever seen a sign that, you know, like they say winter, you know, you're going to have a bad winter when all these caterpillars start crawling. Have you ever heard that? You know, so that's a sign. They you know, they, they had all these things, but God is saying, I'm setting some signs. And it's important for us to be able to read or determine the signs that he has set. In the word season there, where he says that he has set them for signs and for seasons, the word season there in Hebrew literally means a feast or festival appointed season. So the lights in the sky established for feasts of Israel or signs of important events. That's what God put them there for. He, he is showing for Israel, if you study the history of Israel, you find out that they did this according to the moons, that there would be certain feasts that fell at certain times, and they were signs for them. As a matter of fact, God uses the heavens to speak to us. The Scripture says in Psalms 19, 1 through 4, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message is gone throughout the earth. And their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. So here the psalmist is saying that the heavens speak to us. They, they have a message that they're sending to us without saying a word, yet they send us a message. Let me give you an example. How many of you have ever looked up in the horizon and been able to tell 
that you need to take cover because there's a storm coming. And so there's signs that you see. Well, God locked in at the very beginning in Genesis. He tells us, I'm locking some signs in the heavens for you so you'll be able to determine the season that you're in. Now, in Daniel, Daniel talks about his 70 weeks, and we understand that we're waiting for the 70th week to begin. I believe that shortly to come, that 70th week is seven years, and that seven years is about to, I believe, transpire. Now, let me share some things with you because whatever happens in the natural world has a spiritual correlation. So to show you that God uses the heavens to communicate to man, I want to give you some examples of where he's already done that. In the book of Genesis, we read about a man by the name of Noah. Noah is told that the world is coming to an end to build an ark. There'll be a great flood. As he builds that ark at the end of it, you know what happens that the flood comes, the people are warned about it, but they don't listen to it, and so they end up washed away. They die. At the end of that flood, God makes a covenant with man, and he uses a sign to seal the covenant. The sign is a rainbow. The covenant is that he would never destroy the earth again with a flood, but the sign is a rainbow. Now, I understand that in today's culture, that sign has tried to be hijacked by, you know, uh, homosexuals, the, the you know, same-sex marriage crowd. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but that's not your sign. Amen. That sign belongs to God, and it means now what it always meant, that he's not going to try. That, but, you know, that, it, that's not unusual because the devil will always try and hijack what God has. When the serpent came to Eve, he said, has not God said... And so he begins to give her what God said, but he twists it. And that's what happens a lot of times. We're in a culture that is twisting things, that is trying to turn and bend and manipulate. And, and we're trying to, to erase our history. Let me give you a little bit of warning about history, that if you forget your history, you're destined to repeat your history. And so you need to learn the lessons that history has to offer for us. So here God uses the heavens. He gives them a sign. This also happens in the book of Joshua. Joshua is fighting with the Amorites. He's come out and God gets involved in this fight. And God takes out more people with hailstones. Everybody say coming from heaven. Here's a sign from heaven. Pow! <laughs> hailstones take out more than the army does with swords. But in the process of that battle, Joshua stops. Now think about this. Man, he's, he's moved by the Spirit of God. He stops and he says, sun, stand still. And the Scripture said that God caused the sun to stand still for a space of 24 hours, for the space of a day. The sun stops just up there. Do you understand now, everybody says, well, that's not scientifically possible. Sure it is if you're God. If you made the world, you can stop the world, right? I mean, there's no, you know, that's like your child saying, you can't touch me. I brought you in the world. I'll take you out of the, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> that's, so that's, 
Can I get a witness over there? Yeah, I knew Stella gave me a witness. What, I, what I'm saying is this, is that all of a sudden now, they, these, the, God is using signs. He's showing he's in control. There's another time where Hezekiah has become king. He's told by God that he's going to die and not live to set his house in order. Hezekiah goes and he turns his face to the wall and he begins to cry out to God and God hears his prayer. He sends Isaiah back to him and he says, God's going to heal you and on the third day you're going to go into the temple. He said, well, what sign is God going to give me that on the third day I'll be able to go into the temple? And Isaiah looks at him and he said, well, you ask the sign. Would you like for the sundial of Ahaz to move forward 10 degrees or would you like for it to go backward 10 degrees? And Hezekiah said, well, it's nothing for a sundial to move forward because that's the natural progression of time. It moves forward. So Hezekiah said, let the sundial go backward 10 degrees. Now, I don't know how God did it. I don't know if God all of a sudden reversed the earth and caused the sun to go back, but I do know that he did it. And I know that because he's God, he can do anything he wants to do. So here we have signs in the heavens communicating to us about seasons. Now, this goes on into the book uh, or into the New Testament when it talks about a star. As a matter of fact, this star is referred to in the book of Numbers, the 24th chapter and the 17th verse. It says, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. In the book, when we got into the New Testament, the book of Matthew reaffirms this occurrence. Matthew chapter 2 Verses 1 and 2, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When they heard the king, they departed and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Everybody say a sign. Now that's a significant sign because that's a major prophecy being fulfilled and God illustrates it in the sky with a sign, with a light, if you will. God let us know in Genesis at the very beginning that I am setting these lights in the heavens as signs and seasons as tokens or omens, symbols, and appointed seasons. Now, doesn't it just stand to reason that if God did that then, that he would still do that now? I mean, he said, let there be light, and there was light, and the sun's still shining, right? So, has God lost any of his power? Has he lost any of his ability? Has he lost his willingness to communicate with us? No. God consistently is trying to reach us. But the scripture said, having ears to hear, they hear not, and eyes to see, they see not. But God is constantly trying to get our attention. Now, 
we're told that there would be signs in our season by Jesus himself. Matthew, the 24th chapter, verses 32 through 35. This is in the Amplified. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. Everybody say fig tree. Now, I preached about this a few months ago. The fig tree is symbolic of Israel. It says, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its young shoots become tender and it puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. That happened. That was a major prophecy that was fulfilled. I'll talk about it in just a moment. So you too, when you see all these things taking place, know for certain that he is near right at the door. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, this generation, the people living when these signs and events begin, will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth, as now known, will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Now, there have always been signs. Throughout history, there have been signs, people that claim to be Christ. You know, Jesus laid out in, in this passage, what happened is the disciples took Jesus back to the temple because Jesus made a statement. He looked at that temple and he said, do you see that temple? He said, there's not going to be one stone left upon another that won't be thrown down. When they heard that, it shook them because the temple was a central place of worship. It was a center of worship. But they had made it no more than an idol. And so they came to him and they said, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? Jesus begins to spell out for them a series of events that will happen. These events have a snowball effect that the closer we get to his coming, the more of these we see. They increase like a snowball coming down a hill gets bigger and bigger the further it gets down the hill. We see these signs more frequently as we get close to his return. Now, while it's true that we've always had signs and seen signs, what is different is we have never been in a season where we've had all the signs come together at once. And that, my friend, is the season we're in right now. Now, he said, learn a parable of the fig tree when it's young and tender and it puts forth its leaves. The fig tree was Israel. Israel becomes a nation in 1948. So there's a major prophetic occurrence that takes place. Let me show you some signs that accompany it. Now, since there's always been signs, but now we're seeing them all come together in one season for the first time. So what is the season we are in? I believe it's the generation that he spoke about in Matthew 24, that this generation shall not pass till all these signs be fulfilled. Then, well, then what's the generation? Well, then according to Psalms 90, this is Moses speaking, and it says the days of our lives are 70 years. Now, it didn't say, it, it said this generation shall not pass. In other words, they'll still be alive when these things are happening. He says, the days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. So scholars believe that it's going to happen within this time frame. I actually believe that myself, that the time that we've entered is highlighting 
what he's spoken about and it's ushering in his return. In Acts 2 and 19, it says, I will show you wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, if you would throw up the thing, the picture of the signs. Signs simply let us know the road we're on, the direction we're hitting, how close we are getting, and dangers up ahead. So I know I'm not supposed to go faster than 55. Don't park here, I'll get towed away. Why am I on Interstate 95 when I'm supposed to be on Route 66? They let you know if you're going the right direction. They let you know to avoid danger zones. Those are what signs are for. Can I tell you that God is giving signs to this generation to let us know where we're at, to give us a clue of danger zones ahead, and to keep us going on the right road? Everybody say signs. And you say, well, what are these signs? I'm glad you asked. The book of Acts talks about that the sun will not give its light, that the moon will be turned to blood. If we were to read that in modern writing, we would probably read it this way. There will be lunar eclipses and solar eclipses. Because a blood moon is a moon that turns red during a lunar eclipse. You say, well, how, how can that be a sign? Well, there's a specific lunar eclipse that this speaks of. So when you have four consecutive blood moons, that's called a tetrad. Now, I need to give some more information with this. Those four blood moons happen consecutively within a two-year period, in consecutive years. They're spaced about six months apart. And they also fall on Jewish holy days. Now, the first time that ever happened, where there were four consecutive blood moons in a two-year period that all fell on Jewish holy days, was in 1492 and 1493. What happened in 1492? Huh? Columbus discovered America, right? Something else I need to insert here is that Jewish tradition says that lunar eclipses are signs to the Jewish nation or to Israel, and that solar eclipses are signs to idolaters. Everybody say they're talking about me. They're talking about Gentiles. And so, so this is supposed to be a sign for Israel, or the Jewish people. Columbus discovers America. Well, what, what's that? Well, something else happened in 1492. In 1492, and this is, this is in the place that Columbus is sailing from, Queen Isabella and King Fernandad expelled all the Jews that would not convert to Catholicism. 
So they are pushed out of the land. Many historians believe that Columbus was Jewish secretly and that one of the reasons for his mission was he was trying to find a place that the Jews could flee to. What we do know is this, is that America was discovered in 1492 and that the Jews were expelled in 1492. And it's all just a sign. Everybody say a sign. Now the next time there would be a blood moon like that would be nearly 500 years later. In 1949 and 1950. Now remember, these are supposed to be signs to Israel. So what happens in 1949? Well, in 1948, Israel becomes a nation, fulfilling a major prophetic occurrence in our time, fulfilling what Jesus spoke about in Matthew 24 when the fig tree puts forth its leaves. Now, in 1949, Israel became the nation, was recognized as a nation in 1948, but they did not have a government established until 1949. The book of Ezekiel 11 and 17. Therefore, say, thus saith the Lord God, I will gather you, this is speaking to the Jews, I will gather you from the people's Assemble you from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. And God made it happen just like he promised he would. And he gave a sign to let them know the lunar eclipse. The third time that there is a four blood moons consecutively in consecutive years that fall on Jewish holy days... Now, keep in mind, it took 500 years from 1492 to that present, nearly 500 years. But the next time we see it happen is in 1967 and 1968. What happened in 1967 and 68? There's a six-day war. Shortly after that war takes place, there's the lunar eclipse. Israel takes possession of all of Jerusalem in that six-day war. In 1948, when they became a nation, they only had possession of half of the city of Jerusalem. After the six-day war, now they have possession of the full city. We're getting closer to the time that he spoke about. We're getting closer to his return. Now, there's another blood moon that happens. This is the fourth blood moon, falls on Jewish holy days in consecutive years, is in 2014 and 2015. I believe that that's signaling. To, now, you say, well, what's so significant about that? Because it's not going to happen again for another 500 years. So what's it saying? What's the sign saying? I believe the sign is saying we're coming to the end of this season. That all things 
are coming together. Remember, we've always had signs, but this is the first season we've been in where all the signs came together all at once. So that last blood moon happens in 2014 and 2015. Now watch what happened since then. On May 14th, 2018, the state of Israel celebrates its 70th birthday since its inception as a nation. Five months prior to that, on December 6, 2017, the President of the United States, Donald Trump, recognized Jerusalem as Israel's true capital and since then has moved the embassy to Jerusalem. You say, well, what's so significant about that? It's the first time in 2,500 years that a major world leader has recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. The last time that happened was by a man by the name of Cyrus. He was a king, and you can read about him in the book of Isaiah. <laughs> now, in the book of Isaiah, when God speaks concerning Cyrus, he says, Thus saith the Lord to my servant Cyrus, who, I'm ha who I have called by name. Well, what's so significant about that? It's 150 years before the guy ever lived. 150 years before the man is king, Isaiah is written and he speaks out that king's name before he ever exists and tells him, I've called you by name and I've called you to rebuild Jerusalem. To rebuild what? To rebuild the temple. Many scholars believe that that last blood moon that we experienced in 2014 and 2015 is announcing that we have entered the era where the temple will be built in Jerusalem. Something you may not be aware of is that in 2018, for the first time, a red heifer without blemish is birthed on Israel, in Israel. According to law, that had the only way that they can start offering sacrifice in a temple once it's built is they have to cleanse that temple with the sacrifice of a red heifer that has no blemish to it. Amen. Everybody say it's just a sign, but it's getting awful close. <laughs> it's getting awful close. Now, if the lunar eclipse, this is for Israel, it says, and the Jewish tradition was that solar eclipses were for Gentiles or for pagans. So let's look at the sun for a moment. On Monday, August 21st, 2017, a total solar eclipse covered the U.S. in a band that spanned the entire contiguous nation. That means that everything was connected together. It, it covered everything. It passed from the Pacific to the Atlantic coasts. The last time that happened was 99 years ago from, from 2017. It was 99 years ago in the year of 20, or in the year of 1918. Was there any sign? Did anything happen then? Well, World War I was going on. Shortly after the eclipse hit, the Spanish flu hit. And when the Spanish flu hit, it started killing people and it became a worldwide epidemic. Does that sound familiar? Now, it's just a sign. 
But when God gives you a sign, he's trying to say something. As a matter of fact, the Spanish flu is what hastened the end of World War I. It wiped out so many people that it helped the war, the, the war come to an end. That was the first time that it had happened since 2017, or it was the nearest time since 2017 was in 1918. Now, it happened again before that in this nation on November 30th, 1776. Does that date sound familiar? Now, stop and think about this. The first lunar eclipse Israel discovers America the first solar eclipse the United States is being established now there's going to be another solar eclipse that happens that's on well, wait, before I go there, let me tell you about what, okay, when the eclipse happened in 2017, it made landfall in the U.S. near the city of Salem, Oregon, at exactly the same time that the sun was setting in Jerusalem. So if you will, technically, the sun darkened in the U.S., at the same time that the sun set in Jerusalem. I did a study between the U.S. and Israel several years back, and it was uncanny, the types and shadows that exist and the similarities that exist in the way this nation is birthed and the way Israel is birthed. This nation came to being because people started looking for a place to worship God freely Israel gets birthed from a man hearing from God and a promise from God saying that I'm going to make a great and mighty nation out of you. We've both gotten in trouble whenever we've forgotten God. It's amazing to me, and this is my concern, is we get so apathetic. In 9-11, after the trade towers were hit, everybody was praying. It, it didn't matter what political side of the spectrum you were from. Everybody was praying together on the courthouse. Shortly after that happened, we all went back to fighting each other. I wish to goodness that we would just wake up and grow up and begin to call on God and quit using God as a manipulation piece. This nation is, oh, well, never mind. That's another message, which is coming soon. Everybody say one nation under God. You're going to be amazed at that. Everybody say made landfall at Salem. <laughs> Salem is the name of the location where Abraham met Melchizedek. Salem is also the current location of where the city of Jerusalem sets. Jeru Salam. It's two words. Jeru means city of. Salam or Sholom, if you will, means peace. City of peace. Is God trying to communicate something to us? Is God trying to tell this nation that I want you to be at peace with me? 
that I want you to find your place with me, that I want you to move into relationship with me and not, not try and stand on the outskirts and look in, but say, here I am, God, and step in and say, Lord, use me. The next solar eclipse, like the one that I talked about in 2017 that covers the entire continental U.S., is going to happen on April 8th, 2024. Its crossing point will mark an X over the U.S. The exact point of the crossing will be in a little village called Macanda, Illinois. It's the same place that it crossed last time. Amen. That's unheard of. It's the same crossing point. Now, Southern Illinois was once referred to as, thank you, Little Egypt. And guess what happened to the children of Israel? They came out of Egypt. <laughs> One thing I, I found out in this study, which I didn't know, was that Macanda... That little town of Macanda has a nickname, Star of Egypt. This, now, now think about this, because there's, an inter, there's a long history in Egyptian mythology concerning the Star of Egypt. It's also, the Star of Egypt has also been identified as Sirius, not the radio station. Throughout Christian history, Sirius has often been identified as the star the wise men followed to find Jesus. <laughs> I was talking to Jeannie Killian after service, and I was asking her, I said, did you know that it was the star of Egypt? She said, no. She said, but you know what? She said, there's a road down there called Sirius Road. <laughs> now, these are just signs, folks. But it's the way that God always communicated to his people to let him know, I have not forgotten you. I have a plan and you're part of it. <laughs> and I'm coming just like I said I was. Now... <laughs> What does all this mean? Is it just all coincidence? Or are these signs to let us know the season we're in? Matthew 24, 36 to 39 in the Amplified. But of the exact day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels nor the Son and his humanity, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man, the Messiah, will be just like the days of Noah. For as in the days of Noah before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. We talked about that two weeks ago. Until the very day when Noah entered the ark. This is the part I want you to hear here. And they did not know or understand until the flood came and swept them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be unexpected judgment. In Luke chapter 17, verses 28 and 30, they amplified, it was the same as it was in the days of Lot. People were eating, they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling, they were planting, they were building, carrying on business as usual without regard for their sins. But on the very day that Lot left Sodom, 
it rained fire and brimstone, burning sulfur from heaven, and destroyed them all. It will be just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. James, let me borrow you a second. Angels are sent to Sodom and Gomorrah. They tell Lot, they're there to see how wicked things are. Lot pulls them in off the street. He said, no, we'll stay in the street. No, 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 you got to stay with me. Because Lot knew how wicked things were. While they're in the house with Lot, a knock comes on the door. Actually, a bang comes on the door. It's the men of the city. Bring those strangers out so we can have sex with them. I can't believe you just said that. I didn't. They did. Lot begged them not to do that. Listen to what he says. Take my daughters instead. Later, there's a scripture that says Lot's righteous soul was vexed. Do you understand that staying in a wicked place too long will twist your thinking? It'll cause you to think things you never thought you would before. It'll cause you to perceive things in it. What did I talk about? It twists it and it turns it and it tries to manipulate it. And so Lot is saying, well, you know, he, he doesn't want to leave. And the, the angels tell him that finally the angels grab him and they take him to the edge of the city and they make him go. Listen to why. We can't bring judgment until you're out of the city. <laughs> the Bible says that we have not been called under wrath. That when God comes, he's going to snatch us out of here and instantly judgment is falling. Instantly, it's, I don't want to be here when that happens, folks. Now, now, now folks, you, you know, I've had people laugh about my faith and they, oh, you know, that's so, that's so far-fetched. I can't believe you believe that stuff. I just smile at them. I say, well, we're both going to die someday and we'll find out who's right. Do you understand? If I'm wrong, I lose nothing. But if I'm right, you stand a chance of losing everything. I'm not going to gamble that way. You say, well, you, you just have to take that by faith. You're taking it. I, 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 I get, when I'm preaching two services, I forget what I said in the first one. So let me just say this. Regardless of how you believe, whether you believe God created the heavens and the earth, or you believe you, it started with a bang, you're exercising faith. And in my humble opinion, it takes a lot more faith to believe this all started with a bang than it does that it started with God. Everybody say, I believe God. <laughs> now, in Thessalonians, the book of Thessalonians, they had been told that Jesus had already come back. So Paul writes to them concerning this, and I'm going to cover two prophecies that are spoken about this season we're in. First one's in 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter, and Paul says, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come. 
the Lord's not coming back. He says that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. So there's going to be a great falling away from the faith. But then Peter writes in the book of Acts and says, It shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Those are both happening right now. They're happening simultaneously. The question is, which one are you going to be a part of? Are you going to be a part of the great falling away? Or are you going to be the part of, he's pouring his spirit out on all flesh. <laughs> he say, well, I, I, I don't believe that. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. I, 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 you know, I, I love this part because I tell people, I say, if I say he is God, it doesn't help him be God. If I say he's not God, it doesn't stop him from being God. He's God all by himself. He doesn't, do you understand? We got to just make up our mind what side of the road we're going to be on. Now, let me share something with you I didn't say in the first service. I believe that this year, when all this started happening, I looked at Debbie and I told her, this before any of this stuff became political. I looked at her and I told her, I said, there's more to this virus than just a virus. I said, I don't know what it is, but there's something that's going on. I feel like a line is being drawn. And I promise you, I believe with all my heart that God has drawn a line. And he's saying, you get on one side or you get on the other. Because I'm getting ready to do what I said I was going to do. I want to make sure that I'm in that part of the prophecy where where his spirit is being poured out. We talked about the book of Daniel. People dispute the book of Daniel because he is so precise with his prophecies. He talks about nations that will rise and fall, and he hits them all, every one. So I, I hesitate to call them scholars because they're more like skeptics. They can't believe that he had the ability to be able to foretell the future. Daniel is not foretelling the future. He is sharing what God shared with him. Daniel is telling you what God told him and it God never misses. So now follow this. Daniel's 70th week we're coming into. The 10 horns and Daniel's beast, scripture says those are 10 nations. Take a look at the European common market and see how many of those nations fall within the old Roman Empire? You remember what the feet were? They were mixed with iron and clay. They were part of a Roman Empire, but they weren't a full Roman Empire, so they were mixed, so they weren't sturdy. And it said a stone was hewn out of a mountain without man's hands. And it came and it rolled across the feet of that image. And the feet, the, that image fell and, and that stone ground it to powder. Now listen, the Bible says whoever falls on this stone will be broken. But whoever that stone falls on will be ground to powder. That stone is Christ. If we fall on him in repentance, our heart is broken, but we are gathered together with him. But if it falls on us in judgment, it will grind us to powder. I want to make sure I'm ready. Everybody say it. Ready or not? Here he comes. In the book of Daniel, the 11th chapter, Daniel tells us something. He says, the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. He's not coming. Look, we're not leaving here whipped, defeated, and beat down. 
this area used to be referred to as a little Egypt. How did they come out of Egypt? The Bible said with a high hand. God, God caused favor to fall on them and he spoiled the Egyptians. This is not a time for us to hunker down and start wringing our hands and going, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? It's a time for us to stand up and say, here I am, God, use me. Lord, show me your will, show me your way. Let me be a voice. Let me sound the trumpet and sound the alarm. Now look, if you want to stand on the sidewalk and watch the parade, that's your business. But I'll be waving as I go by. Because <laughs> I've got my mind made up. I'm not going to let this miss me. Jesus makes a statement in the Gospels. And he says, pray that you'll be worthy, that, that you'll be counted worthy to escape. I don't have an escape mentality. I'm here until he calls me home. But what he's saying is what's coming, I don't want any of you to be a part of. Would you stand with me? We are in the beginning of a great awakening. Everybody say the beginning. So the question becomes, are you awake yet? Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, are you up yet? Are, are you awake yet? You know what snoozing will get you? First time I went deer hunting, I was up in a stand. It was cold. It was dark. I thought, no deer wants to be out in this weather. And I let myself nod. I raised my head just in time to see a rack go by. And I'm not sure, but I think the deer had its tongue stuck out at me. <laughs> I felt like it did. I thought, man, I can't believe I just missed that shot. He just, you know, he just, that's what happens when you're napping. I love you guys, but I want you to hear my heart. Jesus warned us that 50% of believers will be napping when he comes. What do you mean? Where are you getting that from? Look at what he says. It's the parable of the ten virgins. That's not written to unbelievers. Those are written to people that believe he's coming. They're ready for the wedding, but some of them started napping. They ran out of juice. Everybody say oil. Now look, I know you guys, and I know you love God. I don't want you running out of oil. I don't want that day to take you unaware. Do you know how hard it was for me to even preach this message? Because I'm not, I, I shared in first service, I'm not given to sensationalism. So I'm very careful about what I'm sharing because I want to make sure that I have basis for it. That's why I keep telling you that the things I've talked to you about today are just signs. I'm not saying unequivocally that those blood moons, I can't point to a place in Scripture where it says, thus saith the Lord, blood moons will pass in 1492 and Columbus will discover America. But I can point you to a place where it said that the moon will turn 
to blood. And this is a sign. I can't take you to a place where it says there'll be a solar eclipse in November 30th, 1776. But I can point to you where it said that the moon will be darkened. It's a sign. And before we throw signs away, I just want to remind you that you use them every day to navigate your life. Stop signs, yield signs, warning signs. They determine how you move in traffic. They tell you where you're at. So I'm asking you, please don't close your eyes to these signs. Let them be a reminder to all of us that we are in the last of the last days. That shortly, I, I can be wrong. I'm the first to admit, I can be wrong. But I can't, I can't see another thing that has to happen prophetically before he comes. The only thing that I can see that still has to happen is for the father to turn to the son and say, go get your bride. I want to be ready. The other thing is this, is I don't want to leave here alone. I want to take some folks with me. How about you? Well, I asked and they didn't want to go. Look, man, you, if, if somebody's house is on fire and I run in there and I say, hey, come on, you need to go with me. And they look at me and they say, no, I want to sit here and finish my coffee. You think I'm going to look at them and go, okay, go ahead. You know, that's what you, that's where you want it. Have it. If I got to yank them up out of that chair, now I'm not telling you to go yank anybody around. I, I'm just saying that we have got to get an, an urgency and an excitement in us. I'm not, I'm, look, folks, I'm not frantic. I'm not going, oh my goodness, he's coming back. I'm going, wow. <laughs> I need to let some folks know. I need, I, I'm telling you that we're getting ready to see God do things like we've never seen before. Come on, let's give him a hand clap of praise in this house. Look, if you're here, if you're here and you've never made that commitment, you've never given your life to God, I want to give you this opportunity. Those of you that are watching online, I'm, I'm talking to you as well. It doesn't take long, but it can change forever for you. And all you have to be willing to do is surrender. Surrender. So if you're in this place today and you've never done it, I want you to join me today in this prayer and make sure that you know when you lay your head on a pillow tonight, if a trumpet sounds, we're gonna see each other on a street made of pure gold. Are you ready? Would you just stretch your hands and pray with me right now? Those of you that are watching online, would you pray this prayer with us right now? Father, we come to you and we're overwhelmed by your love to think that you loved us so much that you gave your only begotten son that if we believe on him that we could have everlasting life. Lord, I believe. 
I believe, Jesus, that you gave your life on Calvary's cross as a substitution for my sin. I ask you to forgive me. I'm sorry that my sin took you there. But I'm so thankful that you were willing to go. So today I turn my back on my old way of life. And I embrace you wholeheartedly and shout yes. Yes, I accept you as my Lord and Savior right now in Jesus' name. Come on and give me a hand clap of praise. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart, you've just changed your eternal destination. We love you guys. Look forward to what God's going to do. And everybody say it with me. I'm ready, willing, and awake. In Jesus' name. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you. real quick for everything that we're eating out there okay so let's pray father we thank you for thanksgiving and we truly are thankful god we're thankful for each other for the gift that you've given us of life god we love you we thank you we thank you god for friends for family we pray your blessing over this food in jesus name amen